When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Fans First Sports Network College Football Betting Podcast, otherwise known as Fortune Favors the Fans. We are back after a Thanksgiving hiatus due to traveling. We could not reconvene for the final week of the regular season. A bit unfortunate. It was kind of a wild week, all things considered. But we're going to bring you up to speed in our pick of contest from two weeks ago. And we'll fill you in a bit about how our weeks went behind the scenes when we weren't on air. And then we're going to get right into our show. Now, this is a special episode. Instead of doing our usual format where we have, you know, off the radar games, blah, blah, blah. We're past that. We're betting the entire championship week slate. This will count towards our pick of contest. We're also including in this the Army-Navy game. Uh, might as well. Huge game. A lot of tradition behind it. Since we're betting everything else that weekend, we figured we'd give you guys that little teaser as well. Um, a lot of interesting spreads. A lot of interesting matches. So pretty wild spreads, in my opinion, that we're going to talk about. It's going to be a fun weekend. Potential for chaos, potential for absolutely no chaos. We'll get right into it. But first, we get there. Let's talk about how things were going to Power 5 contests. So two weeks ago, Chris and I both went 3-2. and two. So that brings our overall standings heading into this postseason period. I'm sitting at 28-25. and 25. Chris at 35-20. and 20. He's got a commanding lead. Uh, this, this, this conference championship and bowl season my last chance is to catch up obviously we haven't quite decided what we're going to do for bowl season the number of bowls so many of them being irrelevant teams we cannot accurately know anything about at all uh so big question how we're going to handle that that'll have a huge outcome on our contest but chris with a solid lead now chris let's let's you know let's focus on what happened last week when we weren't convening since you know we we didn't have a chance to chat give people some picks well how do you make any bets how to go for you no i kind of i kind of stayed away i was just kind of like preoccupied with like you know thanksgiving and family stuff i I watched the games especially friday i watched the the um the oregon state and oregon game because that was kind of the big pac-12 game of that day and then uh, me and my whole family my immediate family sat down on saturday night ate dinner and after dinner was over sat down and watched the cal stanford game um so that was a cool little tradition being a cal family and watching the rivalry game you know the last pac-12 rivalry game uh or sorry no uh, cal ucla last uh pac-12 after dark game in the history of the pac-12 which is just sad but um no i i stayed i stayed away last week just preoccupied with other stuff what about you 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 went to the tech texas game didn't you yes unfortunately i was there uh it was Cold. We were up high. Um, I actually got sick, unrelated to the game, but it turned out was in the process of getting sick. So like it was like a runaway freight train. Fortunately, was able to make it to the game before I started to feel too bad. It just kind of hit me. Like, I mean, the hour drive to Austin was really all it took for things to go from like kind of off to really sick. But did get to go to the game. Uh, It was it was a a, you know that was a tough moment. Um, Tech really didn't perform well. I knew the injuries piling up like they were that 
you were probably in some trouble, but they just didn't show up. I mean, they, they, they were poorly coached, poorly prepared for that one. And you can't show up against a team like Texas, who is good to great and expect to just sleepwalk your way through it. They just beat them up from the start. Uh, uh, Tech had like 15 different opportunities to get into the game and missed all of them. I mean, dropped, I, I think there were two or three dropped interceptions, multiple dropped deep balls, uh, uh, stupid penalties. Hold on. So that was frustrating. I did bet a little. I bet less than I normally do that week in terms of total game volume. Did pretty well. Uh, the Ohio State one was one I didn't see coming. I, I really thought mm-hmm. Ohio State would beat Michigan. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm still actually getting over the sickness, but – uh. I actually almost doubled down on that game significantly and only didn't because I was like, look, you're, like, you, you're pretty confident in this one, but you're going to start betting against yourself a bit here, putting some bad juju in the world if you start really leaning into it. So stay back. And I'm glad I did because, yeah, that I had I would have had Ohio State with the points. Um, I had Washington State covering, knew that was going to happen. I just, mm-hmm. I just knew that was going to happen. Oregon State, other one really caught me off guard. Uh, didn't see them getting blown out in that game. I knew Oregon was going to win, or I felt like they were going to win, but I didn't. I didn't see a blowout, uh, and that that was about as disappointing of a moment as ever. Because that those two Friday night games, Tech Oregon State, were my biggest bets of the weekend. I didn't see blowouts yeah. coming in either situation, so kind of a mixed week. But you know, I, I will give a shout out to Washington State. That was a hell of a football game there they almost got the job done came down to one very very gutsy fourth down and one call uh to kind of decide i guess the uh the, the last you know knock on wood could be the last apple cup for the foreseeable future if ever um though <coughs> there are all kinds of rumors about them trying to work that out uh yeah, yeah it's just crazy week. how opposite those two rivalry games were to how Oregon State Oregon you just blow out Oregon State in what could be the last rivalry game of that one and then Washington State to make it a close one it just makes no <laughs> sense at all yeah the the fact that that's all we got in the Civil War was kind of a it, it just felt like a dud it felt like it yeah. wasn't living up to the conferences like you know the long history of the conference kind of came down to these two games you know, uh, the, there were other moments. The Cal game was actually one I didn't see coming as well. But the, mm. the, the the big the big highlights of the Pac-12 felt like all year we were building to these moments. And we got a great game in the Apple Cup and then just a total shit game in Eugene. So kind of mm-hmm. funny that, you know, the Pac-12 always delivers the most random results, even to the end. But Washington State, yeah. Oregon are heading to the championship. We're going to be talking about their game in a minute, but we're just going to bet these in order. So starting for Friday night, we're going to lead off Conference USA and the chance for <coughs> Liberty to take the New Year's Six Bowl. Chris, who you got here? Uh, So I... You know, Liberty is twelve and zero. I feel like with these, for a lot of these outside these uh, these group of five conferences, it's really hard to to judge a team based on the record. Um, I mean, like we're going to talk about Mountain West in a little bit. Boise State has dramatically less wins than UNLV, but they're favored for some reason in that game. But anyway, well, this game, pretty close record. Um, New Mexico State didn't win a single out of conference game, which you. You kind of expect that a little bit. They did play some decent like uh, teams uh, in their out-of-conference game. Liberty did not, which is why they're 12-0. But honestly, for me, what it came down to was this is like one of the few matchups this weekend that actually played each other in the regular season. So you kind of get a little bit of an idea if you go 
and look at the stats and look at some of the like highlights of that game. And Liberty like covered the spread when they beat New Mexico State earlier this year. And it's going to be in Virginia at, at Liberty's um, stadium. So because of that reason, I think I'm going to take Liberty to cover 11-point spread. I know it's a big spread, but like just the two major factors of being home and um, covering this spread, this exact spread last time, kind of it just they're just kind of just, they're too hard to ignore those signs. Yeah, I'm taking Liberty as well. Though one thing I will note that I, I think you're missing because of when this game was played. New Mexico State did beat Auburn. Uh, they went and yeah, handled that's true. Auburn. Yeah. 34 to 10 in that game. Uh, Auburn overlooked the shit out of them. I mean, just looked right ahead to the Iron Bowl. That, the, I mean, you talk about like funny results in college football, like everything that went on with Alabama Auburn last weekend, and like all that is colored by the fact that like the previous week, Auburn got embarrassed by New Mexico State. Uh, so, yeah. but as for your point, this, yes, this game was played in basically this exact same way. It was at Liberty. Liberty won comfortably. There's a little bit more to play for just besides the conference title, which puts a lot of pressure on Liberty. Mm-hmm. They need to win go to the New York Six Bowl. If they win, it's theirs. I don't think anybody else has a case for it. It'd be really no. shocking to not see them get the invite. Uh, I do. I will say this. Liberty has, shall we say, a challenging history, as in that school is fucking weird, and they have a lot of bad juju from a lot of bad things their administration does and supports. As a result, I wonder if some of the larger bowls would look away if they were given the option. So I don't, I don't know if it's an auto bad at guarantee that this goes to Liberty. They are nobody's favorite university, and frankly, they earned the reputation that they earned for some of the practices they've done. I've got nothing against Chadwick, their head coach right now, but I, I have a lot against that administration in general. So it, it's just kind of a, a, of a, you know, you wonder will politics step into play if there's any reason they can avoid giving Liberty a huge spotlight. But mm. theoretically, it's as simple as win and done. So you wonder, does Liberty play tight and this gets narrow i don't know liberty's playing great football and that that's all i know they've been playing great football all year uh you know that i i they've been challenged at times by their conference mates but they've largely taken care of business and i i mean like i think the last time they had a truly truly just really intense game was middle tennessee in the middle of october you know, mm-hmm. like they've crushed the last four opponents they played, five opponents they played. Um, they had maybe two close games all year. Middle Tennessee, I just mentioned, and weirdly, same Houston State, who was trying to get over the hump and get that first ever FBS win. This feels like a good one for Liberty to get it done. I just think they're, I think they're 14 points better than everybody in Conference USA. You know, this the, I, in the Mountain West, we're going to talk about this here in a minute. You mentioned Boise State being the favorite, kind of weirdly. You know, that they, they would, it would be hard for any Mountain West team to feel like this big of a favorite because none of them have been that much better than anybody else. But Liberty has been f- clearly 14 to 20 points better than the entire conference. So, yeah, I had a. I had a buddy who was swearing up and down that this feels exactly like what happened to U of H in 2011, where they dominated. Hmm. We're looking at the New Year's Six Bowl and then laid an egg against, I think that was Southern Miss. So, you know, they're betters beware with that kind of action. But Liberty is, if you're just betting who's better, Liberty's 14 points better than New Mexico State. Just, they just should. And we'll see that there's a little bit of magic for the Aggies out there and in round two of their matchup of Liberty. Now, our second game of the weekend, it's kind of weird these two share an evening. I don't really understand this schedule from a TV perspective. So Pac-12 championship game 
Pac-12 championship game is famously always on Friday, always on Friday of the championship weekend. See, I, I, I get, I that just seems odd to me. I would really think the Pac yeah. would be the people who try to get out on the Sunday. I know the game's right there, and nobody wants to touch that. But like, it feels like the Pac-12 would do something other than wanting to share the spotlight with Conference USA. But nonetheless, tradition stands. It's the last Pac-12 championship. It is an extremely significant Pac-12 championship for the college football playoff, as Oregon is a heavy, heavy favorite in this football game, which would, to some, guarantee both Oregon and Washington a spot in the playoff. To others, guarantee neither of them a spot in the playoffs. So it's 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 kind of a Washington's winning in. We all know that. They're nine and a half point dog as of right now. Uh, Oregon's a win in, you know, maybe in. Very, very uncertain. The committee's dancing around a lot of questions about common opponents with Texas and overall. I mean, what what was uh excuse me, I know I'm coughing a lot, but bear with me. But uh what was the uh, the question Reese Davis asked? Like, what did you look at with Oregon? And basically it was just like Bo Nix's completion percentage. So like there's a lot that can <laughs> change in those uh in our final rankings. But nonetheless, Oregon is theoretically playing for the playoff. Washington is theoretically playing for the playoff and either scenario potentially, but they really want to win. Leave no doubt because a one loss Pac-12 champ, we all know there's a better chance that a one loss Pac-12 champ is left out than is included. That's just what history tells us with the conference. So Chris, huge game. Who are you taking? So I have listened to a lot of content on this subject all week. Um, and everybody for the most part agrees that the winner of this game locks a spot in the college football playoff because their resumes are too are too uh, are just too good um this was in almost every expert's opinion the best college football conference the best conference in college football this season so to leave one of these teams out of the playoff would just be a massive oh, just incompetence of the, of the of the committee um and even if Oregon, even if Washington, like so, if Oregon wins, Oregon's probably the the third seed. If Washington wins, Washington's probably the two seed. We're going to talk about probably more seed scenarios when we get to the, to the SEC because that this is kind of you know what's great about this weekend is I don't think I've ever had a this much parity going into a championship weekend about like what the college football playoff is going to make out based on what happens this weekend. So that's really great. Um, so my initial thought without seeing the spread is. I strongly feel, especially based on on the last two weeks, but specifically last week, how Oregon dominated Oregon State, and Oregon State, based off of a couple just bad plays, lost to Washington. They they probably should have won that game. Um, that I would have picked Oregon to win this game, but then I saw the spread was nine and a half, and I say this, I feel like I say this every week, and our listeners are probably getting so annoyed by me saying it. But famously, Pac-12 after dark, something weird always happens in these games, and there's always so much drama. I don't see Oregon having a commanding win. Though they are at a neutral site in an indoor stadium in Las Vegas, both teams will – fan bases will travel. No one will have a home field advantage. But at the same time, neutral site, I, I think that Oregon will win this game, but I do not think they will cover nine and a half points. Washington is too good of a football team, even though they have gotten worse and worse every single week, it feels like. Maybe, maybe they, I, I, you know, I don't even know how to get into that. Maybe they're just, it's just been a long run for them, but I, I just, I can't, I can't accept a double digit 
win by Oregon. That just doesn't make any sense based on how these teams have pl- pl- well, how these teams played last time they played each other and how um, how the parity is for this conference typically goes, especially in this game. So I'm taking Washington to cover nine and a half. But again, I think Oregon does win this game. I'm kind of on a similar mind. Uh, I, I take Washington as well in this one. The reason I took Washington is, is like you said, uh, these teams are really evenly matched the first time. And, you know, I think Oregon is maybe playing a bit better football right now. But the, 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 the thing that I think people miss when you're trying to eye the perfect season is things get really, really tight. Like, there are very few perfect season teams the last several years where they've just been blowing everybody out. That's what's made Georgia's run so impressive is they were so much better <coughs> than everyone. But it's just not going to be the case, I think, this year that that was possible. Washington was good, played good all year, had a tough Apple Cup. Look, Washington State highly motivated. And look, the, the part of the spread is the reaction to the Civil War results. Oregon State had a lot to prove. 1, and Oregon percent hammered them. But, you know, I think Bo Nix is fantastic, but Michael Penix is also a fantastic quarterback. He's playing with a much – look, Oregon's got good receivers. Washington has great receivers. Uh, that That's one of the deepest receiving cores in the country. Mm-hmm. And this is really just going to boil down to, to me, the fact that I think two great quarterbacks are going head to head in the last factual championship game. What are the odds this is a blowout, right? Like, what are what are the real odds that that's how this goes for yeah. for all the no marbles way. potentially a playoff berth, uh, the whole shebang? We're just supposed to believe that Oregon just kind of comfortably stomps them. I mean, I, I just don't think that's going to happen. It just doesn't scream. Pac-12 football more than anything else. I would never bet on a big spread in a Pac-12 championship game for that reason. When when has the conference ever delivered what we expect to happen? And for that matter, I don't even know we should be expecting this. Oregon's playing great football, but it's not like Washington's lost to anybody yet. So I, I just I feel like we're punishing a team for a lot of close losses and forgetting what Florida State did way back when with Jam- Jameis Winston, where like they were never good, the zombie Knowles the whole night. Nobody ever mm-hmm. beat him until the playoff, right? So, like, it is possible to not play your best ball and still win and win and win and win and win and keep finding ways to win. Uh, Washington is a better form of TCU last year. It's a team that probably should have lost a couple of games by now, but it has a little bit of magic on their side. And that kind of football team is scary in the postseason. I think Washington can get this one, uh, keep it close. Oregon, I think, ultimately can win this game and should, but, you know. I think that it, it, it just seems a little odd to be like, oh, well, obviously this is going to be a two-score game. Like, I don't think so. I think this could be a field goal in the last second kind of game. Um, our next one is a, another very large spread, but perhaps for much more understandable reasons. Let me just say that the Big 12 title race could have become one of the craziest like potential finishes in college football. It just didn't happen. Like every scenario that would needed to happen for that to come up didn't. And it started with Texas just immediately crushing tech on Friday. And then pretty mm-hmm. much everybody that need, needed to win lost and blah blah blah. Anyways, it just shook up that two teams had a chance to control their destiny. They both got it done. Very different fashions. Oklahoma State was down 24 to 6 early against BYU, rallies back to win in overtime. Uh, kind of kind of insane to me that the, a, a Oklahoma State team with losses to like Southern Alabama and and got crushed by UCF is is our is our is our representative to take on 
Texas, who has not lost since Oklahoma, has looked very, very good the last few weeks. You know, it's a 15-point spread for a reason. Mike Gundy's the conference coach of the year, which I will say 100%. I'm pretty sure that award is not is voted by the other coaches. They did it on purpose. Like, that's that's not a secret. They did it because Sarkeesian deserved the award, and they weren't going to give it to him. They weren't going <laughs> to give it to the guy with the best resources and the best players. It was never going to happen. It wasn't going to happen this year. Sorry, Texas. But Gundy has the chance to do the funniest thing ever, which is both take that award from Sark and then beat his ass and ruin Texas's perfect season. Uh, I am of the opinion Texas cannot get to the playoffs at this point. I think the committee's made it clear that they're going to give everybody else uh, the reasonable doubt before Texas. But Texas still has a chance if they win this game. 15-point favorite, Chris. You touching that spread in favor of Oklahoma State, or is Texas just too good to risk? You know, like everything you said makes it seem like this is an easy bet until you say the spread. And then you're like, 15 and a half. Oh, man. I don't know if Texas is 15 points better than Oklahoma. And, like, I am just of the belief that – I no, they're not. Uh, I, I, I think that it will be a double-digit score. I just don't think it could, it can be more than two touchdowns. Like, that just – I don't know. I maybe I'm maybe I'm blind and stupid, but I I just don't. I think Mike Gundy's a better coach than that, and I think he can coach his team to covering this spread. I, there's a lot of scenarios at at play here. Um, you know, we'll talk about Florida State when the ACC one comes in because there's a lot going on there that that where you look at their record and if they win this weekend, you're like you kind of have to give it to them, but then you're like well, their quarterback is gone. So like, are they really one of the top four best teams in the, in college football? Probably not with him out, but their record is hard to ignore. So there's just like so many different things to, to weigh here. But um, in terms of this game, I just like, I just feel like Texas has uh, disappointed me every time I've bet them this year. And based off of that, I just can't, I can't throw money at them again. I, I have a hard time knowing what to make of this game because <clears throat> the Texas, Vegas made this spread hard. Vegas, like, want, they really want us to think about this. And one. that's what the most difficult part about this is with the lack of games, right? Because we're now narrowed down to, I think it's 10 games in total with the one we're betting Army Navy. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> theoretically, they should all be far more accurate. Vegas should be devoting far more resources to each one, but this is a tough one, and I think they—I think you're right here. They put this one out there to make us work at it. They didn't want to make this easy. <clears throat> Here's the deal: Texas has played good football all year, but to be honest, Tech played really, really badly, and I watched Texas do a lot of really dumb. Sh shit in this game that Tech just mm. couldn't take advantage of. Like, Ewers did not play well. I mean, just didn't. He was throwing to wide open guys and missed some in really odd moments. Threw a pick. Uh, Texas backup running back ran for a million yards because Texas is uh, Tech's um, leading play defensive weapon and it's, it's most important defensive weapon, Jalen Hutchins, the anchor of the defense in the middle was out. So you were just missing – you had a huge hole in the middle of your defense, and Texas ran right through it. On top of your 
top overall linebacker Jacob Rodriguez didn't play in this game because they were preserving his red shirt. So your two best defensive players didn't play. That's what happened, right? Like Tech, Tech did this to themselves. Absolutely, Texas played a great game. But this isn't how Texas has played all year. They beat everybody close. And uh, the Ooh. overreaction to the Tech game is this belief that, like, oh, it was a big rivalry game. This must have been, like, look at that. No, this was a shell. What was left of Tech on that Friday night could not have beaten pretty much anybody else this year. Would have struggled to beat legitimately everyone they played earlier in the season. Would have lost to UCF last week. Would have lost to Kansas. Kansas would have lost to uh, everybody they lost to would have dropped TCU. I mean, this, this, what was left of this tech program by Friday night <coughs> was pretty much a nightmare. Uh, Miles Price was out. Guys who were coming back were playing at like 50% reps. Baron Morton's shoulder was banged up. I mean, it, it just, they didn't play well. They were very, very injured, and Texas played a great game. That, that's what happened. Uh, uh, you know, I, I was disappointed that Tech didn't show up and fight at all in this game. Like they just showed up scared, kind of rolled over, accepted it early. But I think the overreaction to this is by people who like don't know what was happening to Tech. There was no chance Tech was going to win this game without Jacob Rodriguez, Jalen Hutchins, Miles Price. I think uh, uh, Demerson was banged up going in. My, uh, uh, like six guys were hurt in the first quarter for Tech. I mean, like it, it was. This was a very physical football game early, and a lot of guys got knocked out of it. But, like, it, it just, there was, it became apparent very, very fast. Like, Tech just did not have enough guys left in their program that could run with Texas. They just didn't. And that speaks to Texas's talent level. Oklahoma State doesn't have that fucking problem. They, they, they don't have, like, they're not a depleted shell of a program desperately <laughs> trying to prove a point. They're a well-coached football team and a good football team. Albeit a very inconsistent <clears throat> one. 15 points. I know the Big 12's pretty well. This is the hardest one to pick of the week for me until we get to the Big 10, which we'll talk about here in a bit for similar reasons. I took yeah. Oklahoma State in this one. Look, like I think Texas put everything they had in that Friday night game for a good reason. They played a fantastic football game against a program in really bad shape beat the hell out of them, earned that win big time. Would have won that game, even if at full strength. I don't think Tech could have beaten Texas with how well they played. But, like, the comedy of errors from Tech's side allowed that to be what it was, which is coloring this to such an extreme degree. But I don't think Oklahoma State uh, – I think Oklahoma State slept walk past BYU. I think they overlooked them. You know, that's a very them thing to do. I think they play very well in the Big 12 title game, and this is close. Do I think Texas ultimately probably wins? For sure, just because that seems to be how this is all going. But Mike Gundy's going to have his guys ready. I think he can get a close contest. I'm taking the pokes. 15 points. I mean, it's just such a big spread. Interesting. Now we got an interesting one. Because this was a tight race for a lot of the year. But it became kind of a two-man show. Miami, Ohio, Toledo. Uh, uh, the, 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 what's fun about this one is... I don't know this for certain, but I feel confident saying this, that this is the best season ever for Miami of Ohio. Uh, I, I, my, my sister-in-law is a graduate of Miami of Ohio. Toledo is a fun program in its own right. 11-1 versus 10-2. MAC championship, the last MAC action of the season. It's a middle-of-the-day Sunday, uh, or excuse me, Saturday. It's a, it, uh, the spreads actually moved since even I was looking at it. I had this at 
eight. It's I think now seven and a half. Um, so oh, really? There, there's there's oh, a lot of sure. movement in this game. Uh, uh, Toledo was the heavy favorite for a good reason, right? Toledo's eleven to one. Like great football all year. Uh, survived Bowling Green. That was a hell of a football game um, a couple of weeks back. That 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 was where Toledo was looking to get tripped up. Was that game right there? They had the ferocious comeback to get all the way back into that game. I had Bowling Green uh, bet that week, and with Bowling Green bet that week, I I was sweating the shit out of that because I was like, oh, t- t- I, I I took Bowling Green, but man, I just feel like Toledo's going to stop them. And I was so hyped, I was like, wow, I'm going to cover this with ease. And then obviously, I still got the the bet hit, but it hit a little bit like it felt a little worse after that comeback. You know, like mm-hmm. it felt like I got a little lucky there at the end. But anyways, two great football teams playing together, having great seasons. Uh, uh, Chris, this is a tough one to call. It's another pretty good, healthy size spread against two competitors who very similar results in conference play. Uh, that, that this is another game where it could really, I mean, let's be honest here. This could be a typical action game. It could really go anywhere. Another one where both teams have played each other and it was very close. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what do you got here? You taking the underdog, the Red Hawks, find a way to knock off the heavy favorites or is Toledo just too much at this point in the year? I am because one, that's a lot of points, eight and two, it's at a neutral site in Detroit. So it's not like the last time they played was at Miami of Ohio and it was a four point game that Toledo won. So because of that reason and all these factors, like I just, and and to be honest with you, I don't know enough about these teams and watch them enough this year. Um, As a lot of our listeners and you know, I'm kind of a West coast bias guy, but um, based on what I've seen uh, and being at the neutral site, I think that Miami of Ohio can make this interesting game. And MAC games are always very, very interesting, a lot like Pac-12. Um, so I'm taking Miami of Ohio um, to cover the, the points. To, to yeah, I'm taking Miami of Ohio here just because I, I I've been bet Miami of Ohio a few times in this podcast. Shout out to Amy. Uh, you know I got your boys back, but the the the, <laughs> the simple answer for why the spread exists is Miami of Ohio actually lost its starting quarterback against Toledo. Um, mm. That actually probably did derail that upset bit. They lost their starting quarterback for the year in that game. The, the new guy has been decent, but they have not been the same team with him in, in action. It's it. They've been, uh, the word isn't stumbling because they beat a good Ohio t- team pretty, pretty handily. Uh, uh, but they, they haven't been crisp as you would like to say. And with Toledo, being down a man, I get the spread, but it's an action game. And I, I think that it just feels presumptuous that this won't be close. Yeah. Like it feels like we're all just kind of assuming that's a huge factor. Miami Ohio is very good defensively. That I mean, even before the kid went down, that's how they've been winning football games. It's it's been on the backs of their defense. They're very, very good defensively. That doesn't go away with your quarterback going down. Now, could Toledo find a way to break their spirits, run away with this one? Absolutely. But it, 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 I think that this is likely to be close. It's action. It's, it's the last action of the year. We have to get a good game out of this. Uh, so I got Miami of Ohio. Now, this next one, this has been the conference race of the year. And I, if you had told me four weeks ago this is how it was going to end, never would have believed you. Never would have believed you that this no was getting into the end. And we bet this, I mean, if you guys have been listening to us, we have bet this conference all year. And have we talked about either of the two teams who made the Mountain West Conference Championship really at all as being like the guys we were looking at? No, these not. Mm-hmm. I had neither of these two teams on my radar. UNLV, Boise State. Uh, honestly, 
<clears throat> I think it's a bit of a travesty that Boise State managed to get in here. Uh, and I, I say that with all respect because I love the Broncos. Love the Broncos. But they're a two-and-a-half-point favorite here, Chris, over a very good UNLV team. <clears throat> what are your thoughts here, man? This is a weird one. I, so the first thing I wrote in my notes is why the fuck is Boise favored? Like they're favored by two and a half. Um, in in uh, in in the game is uh, uh sorry I lost my train of thought. Um, they're favored by two and a half. The game is at Allegiant Stadium, which the Mountain West um the past few years has just basically just followed suit with the Pac-12 and like all their championship games and their even their conference tournaments and stuff like that. They play them in Vegas now. Um. And so it's basically a home game for UNLV. Uh, I mean, UNLV, in my opinion, was the best team in the in the Mountain West this year. But I, in my opinion, the second best team in the Mountain West was Fresno State. I praised Fresno State on this podcast all year long. And UNLV beat Fresno State um, when they matched up against each other. Boise has blown out their last three opponents. I think that's why they're favored in this game. But Boise does not deserve to be in this game. We got we got cheated in this conference. It, this game should be Fresno State versus UNLV, but it's not, unfortunately. So for me, that just makes it an easy decision. Um, UNLV uh, plus two and a half. Yeah, I'll take that all day. They're going to win this game, in my opinion. So I, I don't I'm not sure what Vegas is thinking here. Uh, you would think they would have like a little bit of a insight and bias towards UNLV, UNLV too, because you know, their, their hometown team, but yeah, I don't, I don't get this. I don't know why Boise's favored. Um, so I, this would be my lock of the weekend for listeners. Like hammer this bet all like as much as you can. <laughs> I, I took Boise state here. Um, but for like very specific reasons. And one of them being, I just kept okay. waiting for somebody to knock Boise state out of the Mountain West race. Like, all season, I kept waiting for somebody to definitively just knock them out. They started the season so poorly. I mean, they 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 were so underwhelming to start the year. It wasn't looking good. They hit their bye week. You know, Wyoming had a chance to do it. New Mexico had a chance to do it. Utah State had a chance to do it. Air Force had a chance to do it. Fresno State narrowly law, narrowly beats Boise State. So, like, it just, it just like, you had a lot of good teams who had shots at them to just clear this race up, lead to a more predictable result, and that the Broncos were able to weather the storm. They crushed Air Force. Granted, I'm not putting too much weight on that because Air Force is limping to the finish line. I mean, the, 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 the great season derailed. They've been limping to the finish line the last few weeks. Uh, but I, I think where this comes down to is, number one, I don't think there are that many UNLV fans left in Vegas. Just frankly, like I, that this is a home game for UNLV. I, I truly, truly hope that they have a great showing. Like I, I want there to be UNLV fans in droves because it's good for the sport when programs like that have these big moments in the spotlight. But I just don't think there are that many fans of the program left. I just, I, 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 you know, I, I don't imagine this is going to be that well attended of a game, uh, depending on how Boise State travels. So I don't imagine it's going to be the home field advantage I'd like to see. However, the biggest reason I'm taking this one is that I have bet that Vegas knows something I don't against this theory, uh, against the idea that Vegas knows something I don't, like nine times the last three weeks and lost every single time. I don't know what's been going on this season with some of these spreads. There have been some very odd spreads that have all worked out in Vegas's favor. Uh, Pitt-Boston College was one where it was like, what the fuck are we doing here? Ohio State-Michigan, another one. And in every 
instance. They they just they seem to know something the rest of us don't. I have a hard time going against that here when I've been burned by it so much. The reality is this is going to be a very, very close football game. Uh, this is not the Mountain West title I thought we were going to get. Not even close mm-hmm. to it. I thought we were able to see maybe Fresno State, Wyoming, maybe Air yeah. Force, Fresno State, something like that play out. Um, but, you know, we were, it, it, the, the, this was the best group of five conference to watch. I think the best group of five conference overall, top to bottom. Yeah, they all and, beat up on each other. Yeah, and then what's the shame about that is like Liberty's going to get out of a weak conference USA yeah. unscathed, most likely, uh, regardless of what you think about the spread in that their actual game it, it is unlikely they actually lose the championship game so like it just feels kind of heartbreaking that the mountain west cannibalized itself to such a degree none of these guys got out of here uh, uh you know fresno state had chances to do it and laid that just god awful egg mm. on the road against san jose state which just screwed them so it just it, it's heartbreaking <laughs> that the conference isn't getting a new year's six bid but i expect we're gonna get one hell of a show in vegas um we'll see i it this is a tough one for me because I think it's going to be very, very close. And I think UNLV may be the better team, but I just – I got to go with my Broncos right now. It just blows my mind that Fresno State beat both of these teams and are not playing in this game. Like, it just absolutely blows my mind. I can't I can't believe it. I just – like, Fresno State, how how this happened is one of the dumbest things yeah. Like and to, and you've ever seen, right? Like, the lost Wyoming looks just like – insane in hindsight Mm -hmm. three straight to close the year they just they just completely fell apart after that san jose state game i don't know what happened because look i think new mexico is a good little team all right you lost a tough one there san diego state's fucking horrible this year i mean yeah they're terrible this year they're bad coach no talent bad offensive system whole nine i i how fresno state didn't find a way into this i i don't understand I think it's, it hurts the conference that they didn't. I think they, mm-hmm. they, I think you had a chance to put your best two feet forward here, and Fresno State just just dropped their end of the bargain. Um, it kind of hurts a- viewership a little bit too, because like you said, UNLV, like I think they they showed a graphic on Instagram. They get like fifteen or twenty percent of the attendance that the Raiders do at that stadium because they played Allegiant too, and like to miss them as such a big football brand in that conference um, is just like a travesty to this game. So it's probably going to be low viewership too, because of that reason. Well, then that that's the other thing is like, you think about it this way. I, I would say, because <clears throat> I just, I talked about this earlier with everything going on with Liberty's reputation. And I, I have no idea how much this is automatic and what, and all that jazz, but I, I want to be clear here. There is no doubt in my mind if they could find a way to not put Liberty on the national stage, these bowls would do it. So let's let's make that clear. If Fresno State had just not gotten dog walked for three straight weeks, they likely would have been playing in this game for a New Year's Six Bowl. There would have been a mountain of Fresno State fans out in Vegas. It would have been a huge moment for the program, huge moment for the conference. And it, you know, I'm not one of those people who usually roots for TV ratings, but it sucks for them. Uh, that's all yeah. I gotta say. But this next one is a tough one. This is, I, I mean, there's some tough ones this week, but this is a tough one because depending on your beliefs about these two teams can really shape how you look at this. Georgia is only a five and a half point spread, depending where you are, or they are a five and a half point favorite, which is shocking. If you're a big believer in Alabama, 
So it 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 the, you could be looking at this and thinking the spread is way too small or way too, too big. It's right in the middle, right? Like there are some Georgia people out there who I guarantee you think that this should be ten to fourteen points. Bama just and I there can't be a closer way to win than what Alabama did. Maybe a kick return to tie it up and win, but like that that had to be one of the luckiest all time victories in the history of college football. Fourth and thirty one, quarter of the end zone. I don't know what the fuck Auburn was doing. I mean, I mean, I've watched the tape. I I I did this. I I every time I look at it, I'm like, you have nine guys in the back end, and it's a one on one matchup with a very good Alabama receiver in the corner of the end zone. Like you allow that to happen. There's not. There's nobody else near it. <laughs> Crazy. So despite. Georgia's moments of vulnerability, seemingly, it, they, they did what everybody kind of thought. They defended their, their East title, and to be honest, it kind of turned into a bit of a cruise control. They, they, they weren't challenged, I think, the last several weeks very significantly. Um, Georgia Tech actually, I thought, was going to give them a scare there for a minute, but Georgia just, you know, does Georgia things. And this is the matchup we all thought we were going to get at the start mm-hmm. of the season, and then we thought we weren't going to get when Alabama lost to Texas. And then it became very clear nobody in the West or East is ready to dethrone these guys. The five-and-a-half-point spread. This feels like Georgia's backyard. It's in Atlanta. Uh, they're, they're, they're looking for the – what is this? Is this the third or fourth year they've won the SEC in a row? Uh, I think it's I think third, I want to say. I think this would be year three in a row. Another date to the playoff. Now, this was the most, I think, impactful game on the playoff scenarios, other than Florida State. Because I legitimately believe if Alabama wins, the committee will advance both these teams. Mm-hmm. I do not see a scenario Georgia is left out of the playoff. I just It just would be very out of character for the committee to leave off the defending champion who only lost, came in the uh, the 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 conference championship against a top 10 team. I just can't see them doing it. And I know Texas will be screaming if Alabama gets in and both these teams win their respective conferences. But the reality is, is that beating Georgia would be the best win of the year by any margin. And the committee doesn't give a shit about head to head ever. So all the implications of this game aside, Chris, who you got five and a half points. The, the committee has proven over the past couple of years that, like I think like one team has kind of slipped in there where it's like, okay, the case is too good. They're undefeated TCU last year, uh, Cincinnati the year before, but like the committee has kind of proven the past few years over and over again, that they are just trying to take the four best teams, unless there is like one resume that is just too hard to ignore. They did that with Ohio state last year and they put them in, they did that with, I I can't go back. I can't. My memory is not go, going back very well right now. But they they've done it in the past few years, and nothing I've heard all week from any experts has even brought up the fact that if Georgia loses game, they're not in. If Georgia loses game, they're definitely in. They're just not the number one seed, and they'll probably do something where it's like Alabama is four and Georgia's three because they don't want them to face off in the first round of the playoff. Um, that being said, and I think that Georgia kind of knows they don't have to win this game, but they're in no matter what. Um, and you said that about like this being in Georgia's backyard, but yes, we've seen these SEC championship games are always in Atlanta and they're always crazy. There's, it doesn't feel like at least on TV that there's any one side of fan that's dominating the crowds. Um, 
I am all in for the drama this weekend. I am all in for the parody. So I'm going to take Alabama to cover five and a half. I hope they do it. I hope they win and they make this very interesting for the college football committee. Make them do their job. That's what they're hired to do. Make them do their fucking job and make them debate and really think about who deserves to be in this college football playoff. So I'm taking Alabama. This is a tough one for me because I, until what happened against Auburn, I was prepared to say Alabama was going to be Georgia. And I don't want to overreact to an Iron Bowl game that was always going to be crazy because the Iron Bowl almost always is. However, Auburn sucks out loud. And rivalry <laughs> game or not, Auburn sucks out loud. And you need it. I mean, there is no doubt in my mind that this should have been Auburn's game. We shouldn't even be having this playoff discussion anymore. So I, I, I'm i just going to go with the favorite here with Georgia with that in mind. I feel mm. like I'm overreacting a bit to what is the Iron Bowl craziness. But at the end of the day, I keep thinking someone is finally going to be able to get past the dogs and with five and a half points it you know that's a touchdown right mm-hmm. and that is easily likely going to be the, the kind of the margin we're talking about like a one score game so it, it isn't insane to me to say it and for that matter you know G- G- georgia didn't exactly look great against georgia tech though georgia tech used kind of a late rally to make this uh look closer than it was but <sighs> I'm just going to go with Georgia. I'm not going to talk myself out of it. I think they're the best football team in the nation. I think they they are the likely clearest and easiest choice for a national title once again. And I don't think Alabama is going to be the team to dethrone them. I, I think Alabama has a lot of flaws. And I think Georgia has a few, but not enough to be exploited. And I think they win by a TD. Uh, I will say this about the committee. For those of you who are freaking out about the rankings, here is the only thing I've learned about the committee is until Until the final rankings are released, everything they say is bullshit. Mm -hmm. They're making it up, guys. It's trying to create TV matchups, controversy, and talk show talking points. They don't care what the previous rankings are when it comes down to it. They will just pick who they think the best four teams are. And to their credit, there have not been many years where I could disagree. Really, outside TCU getting left out in that that first rendition, I mean, I, I, I can't think of a year somebody got obviously screwed. You know, like uh, they they just they're very good at this. They are creating controversy. It's why the talking points about Oregon are nonsense right now. I don't know. You they can know make a if- case for UCF the year that they went undefeated and they went to a New Year's Six Bowl and they dominate. I forgot who their opponent was. They like yeah, but that, the, the problem with UCF that year was like everybody else was also very very good and the AAC just really wasn't. Yeah, and like that that was the trouble. But, I mean, other than a group of five team like them getting screwed, nobody else really did besides TCU. Mm-hmm. Because even the second time it comes up, Cincinnati got the nod. And, like, I think yeah. you could definitely make the case that Cincinnati was not one of the four best teams in the country that year. But they still got the nod anyway. So I, I think largely that what the committee has figured out is it because it doesn't actually matter, because if you have not figured this out by now, there are they, they have made this clear. They are not beholden to any previous ranking when they reset. They can throw them all out and say we didn't care. And they've done that repeatedly throughout the committee's history. They pick the best four teams at the end of the year. And I think that there's a lot of fanfare and all this about the rankings, all that jazz, but the most likely scenario this weekend, what the committee is counting on is that Georgia wins, Washington wins, Florida State wins, and uh, uh, 
uh, Texas uh, or who's the uh, Michigan wins like they're supposed to over Iowa. And then Texas, Oregon, Alabama fall by the wayside and nobody remembers this bullshit. It's why they can honest to God get on TV right now and talk about Bo Nix's completion percentage as for why <laughs> Oregon's ranked above Texas. They're doing that because Texas fans are a huge fan base and they want them to talk about it. And like everything, like like everything about last year's matchup between Ohio State and Georgia in that first round just proved everything right about the committee. That like, okay, so they know what they're doing. They can't just pick the four best teams, and it makes sense because the best game of the playoff was that first round matchup between Ohio State and Georgia. So it's like now they kind of have validation that they're the way that they sh- are doing it and should have been doing the whole time is like is the right way. It's just it's a formula that works because they 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 set the rules up to make it so it works. Like the, the mm-hmm. committee is playing like the fourteen playoff was always a flawed concept, but the reason this works is because the committee is able to basically say at any given time, we just think this is true. And at the end of the day, like people are like, Well, we shouldn't have college administrators deciding this. That's exactly the reason they're deciding it is because they're the ones most cognizant of why it matters to have people talking about the rankings. Mm-hmm. Because we do all this build, it's it's a it's a show, it's a pageant, and it's one of the reasons the twelve team playoff is desperately going to improve the sport because it's going to eliminate some of this bullshit showmanship ESPN's been promoting in order to drum up yeah. business. So I'm looking forward to that, and I'm looking forward to the death of the fourteen playoff, but. If you're somebody whose team's on the bubble right now, I think everybody almost controls their own destiny if Florida mm-hmm. State loses. So, like, that that's the door. That is the starting gun everybody's looking at. If you got four undefeated teams, you're going to put four undefeated teams in. So, you're looking at Washington, Oregon. You're looking at Florida State, Louisville. And if you're on the bubble, you got your fingers crossed and you're praying because those are your keys to make this fucking easy. Is if those guys start going down, the doors open. If they don't, it probably stays closed this year. I mean, it, it just mm-hmm. it probably does. You probably don't control your destiny. But like I said, there's almost no chance Alabama SEC champions get left out here. Like, let's not kid ourselves. Anybody really think that's going to happen? Of course not. You shouldn't even have it in your yeah back your mind there's no chance georgia and alabama would get left out in that scenario they'd screw everybody else before they screw the sec now we have to take a quick commercial break we've got a few more games left this is a long show we normally don't have this many true games to talk about which is a lot of fun uh when we get back we have our last three games and the game army navy which I think is the game of the weekend. It's a fun one to watch. If you've never actually watched it before because you're not that interested, you should. There's the patchetry around it, the, the, the system clash. It's a lot of fun. But we will be right back from break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Alrighty, folks, we are back to break. 
Now, our next one on deck is an interesting one because this is this is one that also potentially, depending what happens to Liberty, has some implications for a, a New Year's Six Bowl, which is Tulane in the conference and in the American Athletic Conference Championship taking on SMU. Now, the reason we haven't really heard that much about Tulane is because they very quietly kind of gone about their business since the loss to Ole Miss. They're a one-loss team, guys. Their only loss mm-hmm. is to Ole Miss. This is a very, very good two-lane football team, and they are right on that. They are eyeing the New Year's Six Bowl if Liberty were to trip up. I don't think they can jump them. Again, I, I don't know. Politics and everything aside, I don't think on-field product they can jump them, but they are eyeing that door. SMU, for its part, having, again, a quietly very good season. SMU's two losses being to TCU and Oklahoma. There's no shame in that, though. There is a lot of shame losing to TCU, but there's no shame in losing to OU. Um, <clears throat> they've taken care of business against everybody else. Frankly, the American was really, really weak this year. The, I mean, the, since the best of it left, there just isn't yeah. a lot of meat on the bone in this competition. SMU should be trying to get in this dominated with the with the sheer amount of money they can put into it. But Tulane right now holding the throne in the conference. They're a three and a half point favorite, Chris. Does Tulane does Tulane repeat and keep their hopes alive for a second consecutive New Year's Six Bowl, or does SMU come in and do what kind of everybody figures will happen eventually if they had stayed in the American? Now, obviously, they bought their way into the, into the AACC, but if they had stayed in the American, everybody kind of assumed they would just take the throne. Can they do it in their last year, or is Tulane just a bit too much? I'm a, I'm I'm all in on Tulane. This is a home game for them. They're playing in New Orleans. Uh, it's it, they they played the best ball all season. Uh, SMU's fun, you know the tradition of SMU. They're in Dallas, you know the teams of the '80s and everything like that. They're going to be a great addition to the ACC. Um, but and man, just a side note: this conference really falls off a cliff once they lose SMU SMU next year. But um, I just don't I just I just don't think they quite have enough to do it. Um, I like Tulane uh, to cover three and a half. I think this is a touchdown, or if not more, win for them. Um, let me ask you this question, though, to lead you in. because So you you kind of hinted that you think that Liberty undefeated is a group of five that makes it the New Year's Six. You don't think Tulane, that even if, let's say, New Liberty wins and Tulane wins, Tulane doesn't edge them out? Because this, this group of five like bid famously goes to the uh, to like the American Conference uh team that does the best like famously i got the past few years is the only is 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 it it, it it i don't i can't think of another one that has snuck in yeah the conference that just has been so strong it just isn't anymore uh I, I i would make the argument that you know the american is more comparable to conference usa than they would like you to believe without smu like rice blues in conference usa North Texas would lose to everybody in Conference USA. Uh, Memphis mm-hmm. would lose to most people in Conference USA. East Carolina would lose to everybody. Tulsa to everybody. It just the conferences. What gave the Americans such an advantage <clears throat> was a combination of U of H's ability to kind of position itself. UCF's res- sudden surge. I mean, you guys like people don't realize this, but UCF has only been around as a major college football program for like a blink of the eye. Yeah. Like it, they, they gunned to pass Southern Florida and that, that that's been a huge help for 
you know, the, the, the state of Florida's football overall, that UCF isn't just like an anchor like USF kind of is now. But the, the, the point being here is like, you know, who's number two in this conference? Probably. I mean, it's it's outside of these two teams when we're talking about it. I mean, it probably is. Memphis or UTSA, and I, I yeah, think, I would say I think, maybe Memphis. I think both those teams would struggle in Conference USA. I think they would win six, seven games, right? Because the, the, the that's who they rated, you know, like that's who they rated to go for this. They they went and got Conference USA teams. I mean, fucking Charlotte and FAU. I mean, it's just <laughs> it's just it's just, it's just a joke of a conference now, <clears throat> which is unfortunate. It's one of the reasons they ditched the Power Six branding, right? Because they knew they couldn't keep doing that it, they talked about oh we don't we think it's yeah. now a bit insensitive but the reason they ditched it is because it was a joke it's not a funny joke anymore either it was never true originally i've got no more key non-conference wins i mean it, it just look i maybe i'm too harsh because i really don't like the american because of their interactions with the big 12 uh during this last realignment pool like i that the conference commissioner's a dick espn was pulling some shenanigans not all that bias aside just like the reason I think Liberty gets it done is because I honestly think Liberty would win, would go unbeaten against everybody but Tulane. Like the final story would be Tulane versus Liberty for the title. Who would win? And like in an ideal world, that decides the New Year's Six Bowl. But we don't live in an ideal world, so they're going to go with the unbeaten team. Uh, mm. I, I have Tulane winning this one, by the way. You know, I don't think SMU is good enough to beat them. Uh, Tulane's yeah. had some squeakers. SMU's had some squeakers, but I think Tulane's just the better program right now. Uh, and better prepared for this moment. Uh, I don't think they trip up in their backyard. I don't think they trip up. Uh, uh, I think wherever they go to play bowling, they're going to be a nightmare for somebody. So whoever gets some, it's going to be some high major. They're going to get some great bowl. Um, not a New York Six Bowl, but they're likely playing somebody out of the Power Five. Somebody's going to have a bad bowl season with Tulane in their back pocket. But yeah, I, I just don't see a scenario that the commit that you know the New Year's Six Bulls will pass up an unbeaten Liberty team unless there are just really heavy political pressure not to take a program with their baggage. And again, yeah. that, that is a real thing, right? Like that is a real thing. If you don't believe me, look up at what people think about Liberty. I'm not going to get into it here. I don't like Liberty for my reasons, but look up what people think about Liberty and ask yourself: Are bulls, which are just vehicles for promotion of brands? really going to need too much of a reason not to take the ultra Christian, super conservative Trump supporting campus and putting it on national television. You really think they won't find a way to avoid that if they can, but that part of it aside, it, just pure football pro product. I think Liberty's probably better than Tulane is the other side of this. Mm -hmm. I just think they are. It's very close, but we don't get to decide it on the field because there's no group of five playoff, which we probably will eventually get. And when the whole thing breaks down and the major conferences split off, we might get kind of a playoff between these guys. It'd be really cool to see them play it out. But because we don't, they're going to go with the better record. <clears throat> Even if the better record's kind of nonsense because your loss is to Ole Miss, you know, which it just kind of sucks. But I, I will say this in full defense of everything going on. It's Tulane hasn't exactly dominated the AAC. AAC. They've won every game. Squeaker after squeaker. Yeah, they're not blowing anybody out or anything. They're yeah. playing consistently good winning football, which is what a defending champion looking for a repeat should do. So I love Tulane, but I, I and I'm hoping, honestly, I'm rooting against Liberty, just full disclosure. I got them in the pick. I think they're just better than New Mexico State, but like Tulane ain't losing this one, and we'll see what the powers that be do. I'm not, I, I'm never 100% sure what the rules are for the New Year's Six thing. 
Most years, we don't have this discussion. It's so obvious who should get it. This mm-hmm. year, I think we will have a bit of a discussion. So we'll see how it plays out. Um, we got another really interesting Group of Five championship here. We have, uh, uh, I, I, I miscounted earlier. We actually have one Group of Five championship left, two Power Five championships left, then Army-Navy. So let's get to this one. Troy, Appalachian State. Troy is a six-point favorite. App State, Ruin, JMU season. Troy has been consistently good all year. Uh, they're, they're the favorite for a reason, but this is App State, man. It's hard to pick against the Miners in big moments because they just have a way of fucking it up for everybody. Um, like I said, they they just... I mean, it the heartbreak in JMU. I mean, like, that that they, those guys were gearing up for serious legal challenges. The whole nine, ESPN was there, and Appalachian State beats them in overtime. Can they break the hearts of Troy Nation, or is Troy just a bit, just, just better than App State? What are you thinking here, Chris? I want to pick App State so bad and just, you know, just in classic App State fashion, like, yeah, you know, they're back, you know, the upsetters, the ones who ruined Michigan's hopes back in 2006. But like, this is another conference championship game that is played at the home team's stadium. It's not a neutral site. And Troy's record is, I mean, not significantly better, but two wins better. Um, so I just I gotta pick Troy in this one, and it's a small enough spread where I feel comfortable. Where it's like there'll be a touchdown win. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I'm going with Troy minus six. It's App State. That that the, the, it's simple as that to me for why I'm taking App State. It's App State. It, uh, if you're if you're a big common opponent believer, JMU did beat Troy. Mm. App State beat JMU. So if you're like the big, like that's the biggest common opponent. That's the best team. I, I guess technically you could argue. I don't know who they played now to conference. Uh, I think App State had UNC. Um, Troy had K-State. But that's the biggest in-conference game. I was obviously that one. Both they had in common. Troy's a very good football team, though, and that, that was an early loss to JMU. The circumstances against of App State's winning that game, well, all that aside over time, you know, the, the, there was a lot of reasons why I think App State got that done, and not all of them had to do with on-field product. But the simplest answer for me is that, like, it just feels like it's going to be really, really hard to put App State away. That this could be an overtime game, like a multi-overtime game. Uh, it's at home, though. It's going to be a tough out. I'm not. I'm not. This is one of those. I'm not that confident this pick, but I'm just going to roll with the mojo. And when I have bet against App State to do what App State does. I've lost far more often than not, but Troy, look guys, Troy's playing hell of a football game lately. So really, really think hard before you bet against them. <clears throat> I just, I just think it, it's hard for me to be like, well, app state's not going to do an app state thing because like when I think that that's when they do like the appiest state thing of all and ruin somebody's life. And it really was in the back of my mind, like that, just thinking about that, like, man, am I making the mistake? Should I just pick app state because they are who they are and they upset everybody. But yeah, it's just tough because I think Troy is just better. Like, I, I yeah. think if this was, like, a two-point spread, I would take Troy and not sweat it. But, like, I just think App State's bound to make this weird. Because they always do. I mean, they just always make shit weird. It, it is their – I love a program who that is their MO. Like, like, that was what Boise State did, you know, during that run was they just made – it just made shit weird for people. They, they made it hard to put them away, and that kept them in every game. And then they got chances to do something incredible. Um App State just embodies that as a program ever since the Michigan game. It's just been that's mm-hmm. they've embraced it. They may not be the best team year in, year out, 
but they will be the one that is the hardest to really put away. So, you know, it's tough for me to say that at Troy can beat him by a TD, but Troy's playing good football, folks. So really pay attention to that before you make that pick. It's a tough one. Spreads are hard this week. It's championship week. This is all hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are very few of these that are easy. We're coming to the end of our show. We'll move a little bit quicker here. Uh, uh, but it, it's hard to move too quick through this one because it is massively implicated for the college football playoff. Louisville is a two-and-a-half dog to Florida State. Uh, Louisville coming off a very disappointing loss. Um, you know, I, I, I think in the back of my mind, I figured <coughs> Louisville wouldn't stumble here. Uh, I, I think that, you know, what has made Louisville – what kind of – took some of the wind out of this game is Florida State loses its quarterback and Louisville loses to Kentucky. So now it is very clear that a- the ACC champion is going to be the weakest overall champion out of the Power Five with those two things in mind. But the the presumption is that the committee will not use the quarterback thing to keep Florida State out of the playoff if they win. That is a big presumption because the committee, again, will just pick who they think the four best teams are. Mm-hmm. You think it won't matter. It will matter if they decide that matters. But they're two and a half point favorite. Chris, do they have enough left without their quarterback to beat a Louisville team that's suddenly a bit on its heels, or is Louisville going to rebound from the tough loss to get the job done? Roadmaker stats. That's the quarterback who, for the listeners who have, has been replacing Jordan Travis ever since he got hurt. His stats are okay. I've watched him. You can tell the offense is very limited around him. You know, it, it, they're 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 they got the training wheels on him, and against a very good Louisville team next week, I don't think that this Florida State team all around is just good enough to beat this very good Louisville team with the training wheels on this quarterback. He has a very young, short career. I think the moment's going to be pretty big for him. I think that North Carolina Stadium is going to be rocking, not too far from. It's about about the same distance probably from both Kentucky and, and Florida where, where they are. I, I, I have to look it up, but I just don't think that they Florida State could do without Jordan Travis. So I like Louisville one to win this game, but definitely to get the points with two and a half. Um, so I'm going Louisville. Did you mute yourself again? The reason I took, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I wasn't even muted. That one was weird. Uh, I took Florida State in this one for the simple reason that Louisville's not playing very good football right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just aren't. Struggled against Kentucky, struggled against Miami, struggled against Virginia. Uh, uh, that that That's not a great way to close your season. Now, <clears throat> Miami's not a bad program. Kentucky's not a bad program, but they're not playing their best ball. And I really thought if Florida State was going to fumble the bag, it was going to be against Florida. And they found a way to get past their big-time rival without stubbing their toe. Like you said, uh, Roadmaker stats are not – I mean, 134-yard passing, all right. I mean, like, they they ran the ball. They just – they ran the ball. They're going to run the ball a lot at Louisville. It's going to come down to what do you think Roadmaker is capable of – I just think Florida State finds a way to get this one done. I don't think Louisville is good enough to beat them, I guess is the way to say that. I think Florida mm-hmm. State is overall a very good football team this year. I've been doubting the Knowles for a while now, and this is also part of it. I'm not going to doubt them any longer. But this is tough because if if 
Florida State was healthy, this would be really, really easy to pick for me. But it's not because they're not. But I, I, I think that they, they gotten this far. It, uh, it would be just so heartbreaking for Florida State to drop this one. I think they're going to play very motivated football, and they're going to find a way to get this one done. And they won't get their hearts broken unless the committee leaves them out of the playoff, which would be bonkers, but could happen. So I think they get it done. But this that that is a tough one without their quarterback. Um, just just going to be a tough. This is going to be a is, look. I I just said it. The ACC champion is going to be the the weakest overall champion. By mm-hmm. far, whoever wins this game, but this could be a hell of a game. I mean, this is going to be a tight one. Expect a lot of back and forth play. Expect it to be relatively low scoring too. Um, Last game of the night. One, too. <clears throat> yeah, this this our next one here is. Uh, I I don't know what to say about this, Chris. It, it's yeah, I'm I'm with you, man. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. I I on it. It's it's a twenty-two and a half points fucking spread. I I have no idea what to say about. This. <laughs> Guys, I, I don't even want to bother to talk about this. We all know who's supposed to win this game and by a wide margin, and we all know why. The question becomes, Chris, can Michigan score enough on Iowa to get 22 points of separation? Because Iowa's not scoring in this football game. I truly believe they're shut out here. Do you think they get 22 and a half points of separation on the Hawkeyes? Uh, no. Uh, or do they get – does Michigan 22 22- – uh, point separation against uh, against Iowa. Sorry, I I misunderstood your question. Yes, I do. I just you know, I'm I'm tired. I I keep doubting. You know, I have one of my best friends is a Michigan fan, and we go back and forth all the time because I have this like kind of like I guess you could say a negative view towards Michigan because every year they don't fucking play anybody and they're out of conference games, and every year they sneak into a at least college football playoff scenario. Um in the last couple weeks, or they sneak in the college football playoff and they don't do shit in the first round. And it's just like, it's just extremely frustrating. And as a fan of team of a conference, at least in the PAC 12 that has been shorted and look, you can, you can say the PAC 12 has shot themselves in their own, in their, in the foot by them to themselves the past like five years of the college football playoff where they have a one loss Oregon team that's going in the Pac-12 championship game and they lose and it's like that was their last chance to get in but you know like I just I, I mean Iowa lost 31 to nothing to Penn State like I just can't look past that and even though their defense has held them together all season I, I mean, we talk about it every week, how shitty the Big Ten is. It, that's the reason why their defense is held together, because they're not fucking playing anybody. So this is going to be their first, like, real matchup since Penn State. And I think that Michigan is the only team in the in the Big Ten that can really, and, and Ohio State, I guess, but that can put it to them. So I think that Michigan can do it. And I'm tired of doubting Michigan and being wrong. I, I don't think I... I can put into words how little I care about the actual game that will be played because Michigan's winning yeah. this one so easily. There is absolutely yeah. no, like I, I, I'm saying it now that God may strike me dead. If this is even a game, like this is not, this is, <laughs> we're talking about a Michigan team who is very good defensively, very good uh, uh, defensively and has, and offense. I mean, like, I, I, I'm not willing to say it's the greatest offense ever. I think Ohio State demonstrated, like, it, it really isn't. It's a good offense, maybe even, a, a, like, a top 25, top 30 offense. But it's not the second coming of Jesus Christ. They were just beating up on really bad teams. Um, 
Iowa is very good defensively, has no offense, as in statistically the worst offense maybe in the history of college football, no offense. They can't run, they can't throw, they can't block, they can't catch. How in the fuck is this going to be a close game? <laughs> like, like they haven't been able to score against bad defenses. And you're telling me they're suddenly – Penn State blanked Iowa. I'm going to take Michigan in this one on that note because I think Michigan blanks them. I think this is like a 35-point win for the for the Wolverines. I, I just think that, like, what Iowa shtick is is just so boring to me. I, I'm just so sick of it. Like, it's fun to bet the under at Iowa football. It's an easy way to keep making your money. It's like a free money machine. But it, the overrunner this week is 35 and a half, Macon. It's it's that still that low, and they're going up against Michigan. I I just like I look at it and I oh by the way, I would take the under in that. In fact, yeah, so would I. Yeah. Because like I was not going to score, and I think Michigan probably scores 30 and went, walks out of this one. Um, so like it, it's just I just can't put into words the lack of respect i have for iowa's program there's a guy on our podcast kendall he's a big iowa guy um that's where he's from he roots for the hawkeyes every week i ask him how the fuck do you watch this because every week i watch it because i have the i've been hitting the unders on these so constantly i've been picking it and like it's easy to know when i was going to win a football game and so like the nebraska game great example of this i had iowa easy to that they were going to win that game even when that they they threw that stupid pick (coughs) you just knew they weren't going to lose because of course they weren't of course somebody was going to turn it over hand the game to them it's iowa football baby they can't they can't lose games like that like it just isn't in their nature to lose games like that but they play anybody for real they get pantsed so they're about to get hammered it it's just a question of do you think michigan is 22 points better than the worst offense in college football and i think they are substantially better than the worst offense in college football uh could there be some hangover could michigan overlook it could all of that play in Yes, that's why the spread is like kind of dumb. But at the same time, hell will freeze over before Iowa scores 14 points in this football game. And I think that like Michigan is liable to score 30. So that's where I'm coming from for this one. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of betters beware here. Uh, Chris mentioned it, 35 and a half points. So it becomes a question of how do you think that spread works with that over under? If you like me and you're hitting that over under, like really make sure you've got your own mental math right before you make it. Because if you're just like assuming under and you don't really have in your head, like, oh, well, uh, you know, I, I was only going to score like 10. Michigan will score like 25. Like, you know, you're, you're playing with a very thin margin there, and that, that ain't covering the spread. So just keep that in mind. Like, it, it's okay to think that the under is going to hit because neither of these teams are going to score. But, like, if you're assuming the spread is getting covered, consider at least, perhaps, that the over might be possible. I don't think it is. But do a little bit of your own thought process behind that one before you just blindly run through with it. Mm-hmm. Be- because that spread is big enough that the over-under, like, by its nature, because it's so fucking low, so comically low for a championship <laughs> game of a major conference, that you have to really, like, you got to stretch your definition of, like, blowout win to, like, what? how how does Michigan win by 22 and a half points and still hit the under? You know, it, it, it's a, it, Iowa makes you do some crazy fucking math. It, it is, it's not fun is the right word. It's like a it's it's like a, a a tragedy, you know. It's like a car wreck. You just can't look <laughs> away, and it, it it's I I I've got no other word for it than like 
you know, people have some people have like trashy reality show like Love is Blind or The Bachelor mm-hmm. or, or Real Housewives. But College you can't stop watching. We, we've got Iowa football. We, this is what we do when we want to watch really shitty. Like the Iowa-Nebraska game was maybe the worst thing I've ever watched. If you didn't watch it, I watched it because it was the only thing on that morning slate. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, bad. So, you know, that's all I got to say. It's the last time I really get to shit on the Big Ten because the next time we talk about this, it's probably going to be talking about Michigan having crushed Iowa, heading to the playoff, blah, 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 <laughs> celebrations, horns, trumpets, and trying not to get run ruled in the opening playoff game. Uh, I don't like Michigan either, for what it's worth. So, like, that hurts me a bit to assume that this is going to happen, but it just seems likely. Now we get to the most fun game of the weekend by far, the battle of the triple option. I don't actually know how the Commanders and Chief Trophy is decided this year because I think they've all beat each other. So I I don't know what the tiebreaker is. There's three of them. Army lost to Air Force, who lost to Navy. So I, I don't I don't know how this works. I mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking it up real quick, but while I look that up, Army is a two is a two point dog to, or is a two point favorite in this game. For those of you who don't know, this is always a neutral site game. It's always played. It's the last college football game of the year. It's always played on a Sunday. Uh, mm-hmm. The president will be there. The the, the the you know the switch sides at half. The pageantry. There'll be lots of videos about the life of the cadets uh, and the midshipmen. It's a cool game. You should watch it. It it really is like a, just a very cool football game. It tends to be snowing. I don't know if we'll get lucky again. It's always more fun when it snows. It's in Foxborough, uh, so who knows? Yeah, you know it. it it's going to be cold as hell. NFL Stadium. A lot of a lot of bright lights. Big city moments for these kids um, who have not played in a venue of this size or in a game of this attention yet this year. Um, coolest part about this game to me is that it is the battle of the triple options, which means that it is almost always very, very close mm-hmm. because of how the system plays. It is just tough for either of these teams to really get separation over each other. Navy had Army's number for what was like 12 straight years. <coughs> 12 straight years. Now Army's kind of righted the ship, no pun intended, but kind of, uh, and has kind of taken back the momentum in the series. Chris, it's Army-Navy. Who you got? I honestly don't know enough about these teams. I have not watched the only um, real um, military academy team that I've watched is the Air Force Academy because they play in the Mountain West. So, I, I because Army's won the past few, I'm I think kind of leaning. I'm, I'm leaning Army. Um, it's a small spread, so I, I don't know. I mean, I think I'm I think I'm just gonna go Army. You're right. It is a fun game. It is cool. I always like put it on. For a little bit, uh, in in my living room setup, I have three TVs, so I put one put it on there for a little bit on Saturday while college hoops is going on. But uh, yeah, I just don't know enough about these teams this year. So, okay, so I found it. Army will win outright if they beat Navy, so they will win the Commanders in Chief Trophy. Which uh, I, I, if you haven't ever toured any of these campuses, by the way. I would recommend, by the way, if you're going to tour any of them, highly recommend touring Air Force. It's in Colorado, if you didn't know. It is a beautiful campus. They have a really, really cool visitor center. And they have, uh, I guess, when they hold the trophy, they have the trophy. Um, And it's it's a really neat trophy. It's got Mm -hmm. all the years the schools have won. Um, Historically, Air Force has actually a lot of the time ended up with the trophy outside of Navy's run. Um, And in terms of college football, Air Force has just been the better program. Um. So I think that if there's a loss, it's a three-way tie. 
which is a weird system, and I feel like they should figure that out. So then where does the trophy go? The White House or something? Like, where does I it guess, go? I guess, I think Army has it now. I think Army... So they holds, just hold on to it, okay. I think they held it from last year because they beat Navy, and I think they beat Air Force. I don't know, man. It, it's one of those things, like, the schools take it very seriously, mind you. Like, mm-hmm. like it, it's hard for, like, outside looking in to get this but like they take this shit very seriously they hate each other like it, it is that the rivalry between army navy is real to a lesser extent all the, the academies feel that way about each other um, which is like really funny and the perfect like encapsulation of the college football system like the u.s military just like fucking doesn't get along um <laughs> for this stupid game but so i don't know who holds the trophy maybe it does go to the white house i i, I but I'm, I'm i think army's holding it so i think they just keep it Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a rotation, right? Like that'd be kind of cool. You just yeah, maybe between the campuses. Uh, my cousin didn't go to one of the three main academies. He went to uh, Kings Point. He went to the coastal, uh, the coastal Marines. So he didn't do any of this stuff. But like it, it the, the the tradition of any of the major military academies in the U.S. is really cool, and this is a great game. I got Navy in this one. The reason is. It has nothing to do with on-field product. I think Army's probably better, but I've always been a Navy guy. I don't, I don't even really know why. I don't have like big ties to the Navy in my family. You just really I, loved the Top Gun back in the day, was that it? I, to be honest, never even seen the movie. Never saw the <laughs> new one either. Like I, I just for for whatever reason, my earliest memories of watching this game, I was mm. rooting for Navy. I, I, I don't know if it was because when I started really getting serious about college football, Navy was at its heyday, and as a result, like, that like I just have a lot of fond memories of like you know. <clears throat> um, what was the quarterback who was trying to win the Heisman? Uh, oh crap! They had the you kid think- a couple of years ago who finished like fifth in Heisman voting. Um, they were top twenty-five in the nation. Blah blah blah. Anyways, like I don't know if that's colored my perception of like Army Navy, but for some reason I always root for Navy in this game. Uh, always have, always will, and I'm gonna keep with it. The uniforms in this game are always cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, though it was so the funniest possible military uniform this year and i think we talked about this in the show was when air force wore the army air uh army air corps uniforms which for those of you who don't know american history the air force didn't exist when that was happening right like that was just a branch of the army during world war ii so like that was so that was such a like really like kind of a a middle finger to your rival and so I think many i remember ways, something like stealing. that yeah yeah, they wore it was like the uh, I think they were like the bomber wing theme from the mm. Army Air Corps, like from the years in which the Air Force very much <laughs> didn't exist. So I got a kick out of that when it happened. But the uniforms of this are always custom, always very cool, always very special. <clears throat> it's a great way to cap off a conference championship week that, frankly, if plays out as expected, will have a few blowouts. Uh, unfortunately. So there there may be some games here that are real duds. But Chris, we're, we're coming to the end of our show. That's our longest one. We had the most games to talk about in terms of true betting games with serious implications, both on our contest and, and just in the college football uh, universe. What's the game of the week for you this week? I think you know what the game of the week for me is as a, as a Pac-12 fan and as this being in the last year of the Pac-12 championship, it's 100% that. And it's finally a Pac-12 team is going to make it to the playoff. Um, at least we assume all signs are pointing towards that, unless some, the committee pulls some crazy bullshit, um, which I wouldn't be surprised in the past. But, like, that's definitely the game to watch. But in terms of, like, how everything's going to unfold, like, you know, 
media really is all about the SEC when it comes to college football. But like, man, there's so many implications in that game this weekend that you kind of it's just so important. And and to see what Alabama does, like the Florida State AC game, that is important. But like Alabama, if they win that game, it, it makes it very interesting, very interesting for the college football playoff makeup and like what the, the committee is going to do. So in my opinion, that's the best game to watch. The big 10 championship game is just a waste. I, you know, that's just, that's probably the worst game to watch all weekend. Yeah. I think you're probably right that I, I think that for one, I think that could be one of the craziest games is the PAC 12 for me. The game of the week really is, uh, uh, you know, I'm a big 12 guy. I'm going to love that one, but the, mm-hmm. the game of the week to me, um, out of the championship slate anyways, because I'm going to love the Army-Navy game is probably going to be the most fun to watch just because no huge interest in it. Um, it, it it's not massively, but it doesn't have any implications, blah, blah, blah. It's just a great game. Mm. But I, I, I actually think that the, the, the Boise State-UNLV game could be one hell of a game. And mm. for a conference that's had and that, like, look, I get it. It's the Mountain West. They're not in the run for the, the New Year's Six Bowl, blah, blah, blah. But the fuck that. It, it's been the most fun Group of Five conference all season. And I think their conference championship game will not disappoint. Yeah. It's going to be a hell of a show in Vegas. Uh, I hope I, I hope I'm wrong and you all the fans show up in force. I doubt it, but I hope I'm wrong. I'd love to see a really loud, raucous environment in that stadium, um, you know, it, it, being that it is an NFL stadium, I'm not expecting it full, but get the 50%. 50% mm-hmm. respectable and have a lot of fun with that. You know, it's, 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 it's Boise state who I always have a soft spot for UNLV. Um, uh, all, all, all my last note of the week for everybody out there is just, if you're watching the big 12 football game uh, championship, I don't know this for sure that it is going to be broadcasted, but it, you know, obviously Nelly's going to be playing. It's hot in here at halftime. There's a bunch of crazy shit they're doing. If you happen to be in New York city, apparently it's being live streamed in times square. <laughs> I, just stuff that the conference is trying. I, I, I don't say I understand 98% of what they're doing, but they're trying different stuff. Uh, like there's WWE belts this year for the winning teams. And like, that's dope. Like, yeah. It's like, I like uh, that. I think it's like player, the MVP on the winning team gets the belt or something like that. It's something the SEC did a few years ago with their partnership. And there's going to be like special sideline appearances by WWE star. There's a lot going on in Dallas. Yeah. Championship game. Conference is throwing like a thousand new ideas and just seeing what sticks. So if you're looking (laughs) for like a show, the big 12 is going to be as close as like trying to recreate like what the Super Bowl is, which is like an event as much as it is a football game because the conference very much wants it to be an event. So mm-hmm. the game on the field may suck. Texas may just boat race them, but there could be a cool halftime show and some other nonsense. And like, what is it like? What, what, what the stupid ape company merchandise? So like, there's just, just a lot of nonsense around this game that <laughs> makes it a little bit fun for the casual fan to kind of take a peek at and, and see. But, uh, so, that brings us to the end of our show. It was a marathon episode for us to get through these. We're going to be talking bowl season behind the scenes to figure out how we want to handle this. Obviously, a shitload of bowl games. I don't know if we're going to bet them all, bet most of them. Kind of tough to say at this point what we're going to do. We'll figure that one out and get back to you guys. We will yeah. have something for bowl season, even if it's just for the more, I guess, important bowls, including the playoff and uh, uh, near six bowls in general. But nonetheless, it is our last full week 
weekend of college football straight. Um, you get a full Friday, Saturday slate. Enjoy it. it. We will not have it again for a long time. And then we're going to be doing the, the sporadic dance of bowl season. We got like three games one day and no games for a couple of days and four more and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, 15 it's one a great day, time yeah. of the year. Yeah. Yeah, bowl season is one of my favorite times of the year, but it it is sad that we have come to the end here. To update you guys on our conference, once again, I'm at 28 and 25. Chris is at 35 and 20. So this week can shape our conference. We did go mm-hmm. the opposite ways in several of these picks we will see. Um, as always, guys, like, subscribe, follow, whatever it is, on whatever major podcasting platform you can find us, the Fans First Sports Network College Football Feed, along with a whole host of other great conference shows and, and other college football podcasts. Um, check out their other podcasts. The NBA is in full swing. Somehow the end season tournament's not over. I keep thinking that's going to be over. I, I, I have, I'll be not, not an NBA guy. No idea how that's going on, but I'm sure the NBA podcasts are covering it in depth. Group play like, just ended and the knockout round starting. So for those who are listening, it's it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. So yeah, go find the NBA podcast because uh, there, there's several of those guys. And I'm sure they, they understand it. can fill you guys in. If you haven't been paying attention yet, what you've missed, um, Actually, they're starting to heat up on their season overall anyways, as well as the NFL season kind of reaching its crescendo in the next coming week. So be sure to find your NFL podcast choice to be riding with those guys. And then for the college football side, most coincidentally, a lot of the larger college football podcasts for Fans First Network happen to be playoff hopeful. So go find one of those to listen to and get your feel on how they're how they think what they think about the, the newest ranking and all that jazz. So lots of great content to consume. As always, my name is Macon. I was joined by my good friend, Chris. It's sad that we made it this far, and it has to come to an end in terms of the regular season and the conference races. But Chris, podcast overall, got to finish above 500 in the regular season. Chance to finish above 500 overall for both of us after the conference championship slate. Congratulations to you, Hell Mr. Yeah. We'll see how the final weeks of our contest go. But we uh, we did not lose a lot of money follow this along so that that was the goal with this podcast and i think we accomplished it in a big way so enjoy the rest of your weekend guys the conference championships officially kick off with liberty versus new mexico state on friday and then washington oregon quickly after i think that's like the six seven is how that's set up in your central time you're on the uh, east or west coast adjust accordingly so enjoy your weekend guys enjoy the games mm-hmm.